Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're looking at some more advanced data on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Curtis has a vitamin water that he's sipping on. The hat is backwards. He looks ready to go. What's going on, my friend? I'm I'm going with the lemonade. Uh, well, I guess lemonade flavored. It's not actually lemonade. Uh, vitamin water. Changing it up from my typical uh, acai blueberry, which is the that's the crowd favorite here at home. Um, man, I'm, I'm doing great. The, the Julio trade, we haven't got to talk about that, um, in audio form yet, but, uh, I know we both have, have thoughts. Uh, I'll drop mine here first. You know, I, I tweeted this the other day and it just kind of seemed to enrage people. Um, I didn't think it would be controversial. I said, Julio Jones, Tennessee is very fun for real football, but unless the team changes its identity, it's bad news for every Titan not named Ryan Tannehill from a fantasy perspective. Um, I then followed that up with a series of polls, quick polls. Um, the first one was, I think Julio Jones will score blank fantasy points as a Tennessee Titan than as an, as an Atlanta Falcon. And 82% said fewer. Okay. Then the next poll was, I think A.J. Brown will score blank PPR fantasy points with Julio Jones as his teammate than he would have without him. 62% said fewer. Then, then you get to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry rushed for 2,000 yards last year and like had like 18 touchdowns or something, right? 
I think Derrick Henry yep. will score blank PPR fantasy points with Julio Jones as his teammate than he would have without him. 68% said more. 68%. 1,600 votes. 1,600 votes. Uh, 68% of those people said uh, Derrick Henry will score more points this year with Julio Jones. Okay. I, I'm at a loss, Dave. I'm at a loss. I, I think this will be a nightmare uh, for opposing teams to face the Titans. I think they are constructed to be able to hang with Kansas City. That was clearly the the goal here is to be able to win different types of matches. Um, and I can't get much scarier than lining up from against the, the trio <laughs> of Henry and A.J. Brown and, and Julio. That's awesome. And A.J. Brown probably said it best when he said, y'all done effed up. And then he has a picture of him and Julio uh, with a Titans jersey on. And I, it's scary, I admit. But for, for fantasy... I just feel like this lowered the ceiling of of everyone not named Tannehill. Do you do you want to stump for any of the other non-Tannehill players in this situation? I mean, no, I don't. Um, I think it's a very, very exciting move. Um, and I do think it creates a lot of fun things from an NFL perspective and also from a fantasy perspective for Ryan Tannehill. But I'm in agreement with you. I think for the other players on this team, it doesn't make a it doesn't create a situation where I'm inclined to say these players can outperform what they have in the past, especially not in the case of Derrick Henry. I understand that you can make the argument that this keeps the chains moving, gives him more opportunities, perhaps gets him more opportunities to score touchdowns. We know that Julio hasn't been the type of receiver that's going to come in there and put up a million touchdowns in the end zone. But the reality is you are looking at a player that has already pushed the limits of what are possible for a running back in fantasy that doesn't also accrue points as a receiver. Averaged 5.4 yards per carry last year on 378 rushing attempts and 17 touchdowns. I spend a lot of time doing projections. I spend a lot of time looking at different percentiles for different metrics. And I also spend a lot of time looking at different offenses and analyzing how things could shake out in a way that would allow a player to either get more volume be more efficient than they have in years past. And when I look at this team, bringing in an absolute stud superstar wide receiver is great, but there's no way that I could paint a rosier picture than the 2020 season where really he may have maxed out completely his potential. So I understand that you're bringing in a player that's going to make this offense better, but just because the offense is better does not mean that you're then going to have what would be an absolutely complete outlier season for Henry. For, I think people need to step back and think about just to improve over what he did last year, how insane of a season it needs to be. So, I mean, I think that pretty much sums it up. I, I see you nodding in agreement. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything. I mean, um, as, as predicted, uh, we're on the same page with this, thing now that we've got um i don't know we've got like parallel fantasy minds um, going <laughs> on here the last few months but yeah it's just like you know I, julio's he's one of the greatest of all time like literally is one of the greatest of all time but i just don't see how uh you know playing from ahead uh with you know, playing from ahead in, in this type of offense versus the situation he's had in atlanta for years now where the team you know he was he was the engine and now there's there's more engines. Um, and, and I understand that, you know, Calvin Ridley has been phenomenal the last couple seasons. But I mean, I even had people in my uh, in my uh, Twitter response uh, thread there saying that, you know, Julio will teach 
AJ Brown a, a thing or two about football and it will make AJ Brown better. Like, these are the like these are, <laughs> yeah, this is when we should be doing video dave's face here is priceless so anyway uh you're right it's so exciting and now i just really want something to happen with aaron Rodgers, so we can just get it done with yeah um and then i'll feel like the season has really started at that point but this is really fun and from a real football perspective like man the afc is just so tough like it sucks man i mean we have these quarterbacks um holding each other down and i mean we could be looking at you know, th- this is, you know, certainly a different situation with Ryan Tannehill versus Josh Allen or different phases of their career. But Mahomes, Tannehill and Allen pot- potentially for the next four to five years, just holding each other down, um, where if if you moved any one of them over to the NFC in the post Brady area, uh, post Brady era, rather, um, it would be pretty exciting. I mean, you'd pretty much just be able to pencil in the Super Bowl uh, opponents every single year, kind of like in the NBA when we were seeing the Cavs Warriors every year, it felt like. Um, but that that's the AFC championship is going to be like, you know, the, the literal preview to the, to the Super Bowl every year. Now I feel like that's, uh, that's kind of my main takeaway. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, it makes a lot of, when you look at the AFC schedule, like a lot of really cool games are going to be happening now pretty frequently. Um, just to hit quickly one final time, a little bit about Tennessee, um, their passing volume last year was at, uh, 400 85 attempts uh the year before that 448 and then 437 the year before uh those three years under mike vrabel um and they were at 522 rushing attempts by and large the highest amount that they've been at i'll point out that uh, going back to derrick henry even if this team runs the ball a lot it could be hard to get to that level and on the passing side um Corey Davis last year saw a pretty decent chunk of the actual target distribution that they had. Let me pull up the exact number right now. Corey Davis last year had 23% of the targets. AJ Brown had, hold on here, I'm pulling the exact number, 26% of the targets. Uh, I understand that there's not a lot of other players they need to target there, but uh, to to drive home my final point, even if you're getting up to... 30% 30% of 485 targets. And you can make the case that maybe they're going to pass a little bit more. Maybe it creeps up to like 520. This still probably isn't high enough that it allows even AJ Brown, who's picking up all of this vital information from Julio and becoming a better player. It's probably not going to shift his rank that much, right? Because he's already so high to begin with. You know what I mean? So like you have to go and look at the amount of targets that guys like Devonte Adams could get, you know, maybe somebody that we saw in the past, like Michael Thomas, how many targets he could get in his offense, Stefan Diggs, what he could be looking at in that bill's offense, which should pass more than 600 times. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta take this into perspective. My final thoughts on the situation. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, I think it would take a Derrick Henry injury to actually unlock the true ceilings of either of the the receivers and maybe flip the Titans totally into pass first mode. Um, but they do what they do so well. Um, and, and you've got to like them, 
you know, you've got to like them for a top two seed this year at this point. I mean, I think this move clearly vaults them above Buffalo. It's, it's, you know, Tennessee and Kansas city vying for the one seed and home and true home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So, you know, Henry injury is probably the only way I think AJ Brown or Julio exceed what 125 targets probably even yeah. if, even if you bake in a little extra p- passing volume yep. so that neither one of them is going to have the juice for the overall wide receiver one season that you would have thought maybe each of them had a chance uh at before they were on the same squad together um so yeah i, I think we've you know cut that up and um i've i've moved past my vitamin water and on to an ice cold brew because <laughs> I, i'm ready to, i'm ready to ready to get into the uh the deep stats day all right let's do it all right, so we are hitting up some more advanced stats. I wanted to take a time to take the time to spend uh, a half of an episode here with some of the things that are going to be pretty cool to look at and some fun things to break down we didn't talk about in the past. The first one that I wanted to look at was simply looking at the number of passing attempts that different quarterbacks took with four wide receivers on the field. Uh, so it gets very interesting when you start comparing, especially kind of those tertiary players um, in offenses. So maybe the the third wide receiver on the depth chart, right? Sometimes you can look and you can see that they got a pretty significant target volume, but you also have to pay attention to the number of receivers that were on the field, right? Because that can actually impact, you know, maybe you'd rather have a player that is, is running routes with only two other receivers on the field and running 75 versus a guy that's running, you know, 110, but there's four wide receivers, five wide receivers on the field. Those, those hypotheticals there might be a little extreme, but Last year, there was one team that by and large had four wide receivers on the field most often. Pretty exciting. It was the Arizona Cardinals, which is cool, right? Because we're going to have DeAndre Hopkins in there, AJ, uh, excuse me, AJ Green now. This still gives a little bit of runway as we think about Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Rondale Moore, specifically Rondale Moore, because as a rookie, this might give him the chance to get in and going early on in this offense more than he would have on another team. They are followed by Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, So Murray had 173 dropbacks last year (coughs) with four wide receivers on the field. Josh Allen at number two, just 115. Right. So this is that's a crazy chasm. So this is wonderful for those Arizona wide receivers. And then we see it drop off from there to the Buccaneers at 63 <laughs> dropbacks for Brady. Then the Steelers with 60. And then we immediately get down to the Panthers at 46, where things are really tailing off. Uh, but so I find those very encouraging numbers for the wide receivers in those schemes. And it makes sense because we've talked about how the Steelers, they have that really solid trio of wide receivers. Maybe you even put in James Washington and you look at the four wide receivers that they have there. But these are the type of teams where if you're looking at those lower level guys, uh, they actually have more of a chance of making a difference than you would see on some of these other squads where you hear the lower level players perhaps being mentioned. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, 
Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and on top of all of that, will help get your show pushed to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box in this episode for more information, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, this is a really cool way to analyze offenses, and and I think this is going to just take your projection work um, to a, a totally another level um, when you can do this for formation based analysis. And, and, you know, I don't know how, how sticky it is year over year. Um, if we can keep the same play caller, um, keep the same general personnel in place, um, it, it should be, you know, fairly sticky, uh, provided that we don't see, you know, a, a lot of changes from, um, a game script perspective for a squad. And, and I think, you know, the Cardinals case in point, they went out and got AJ Green. Now they have two true perimeter wide receivers. This is going to be the first time since Cliff Kingsbury got there that he can really truly run mesh the way that it's supposed to be run. Um, so you know, effectively two slot wide receivers who are yak animals, um, and your two you know perimeter wide receivers. So Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore are going to wreak havoc, and uh, on on these short uh, these short drags and crossers, and then I mean. It's just going to be brutal hitting Chase Edmonds on the swing route once that that <laughs> um, short uh, middle of the field passing game has been established and the first deep throw or two uh, to either Hopkins or Green has been completed. The Cardinals are going to be a lot harder to defend um, just from a personnel perspective. Even though A.J. Green is on the downside of his career, I think he's going to be respected by opposing uh, secondaries a lot more than any anyone else has been at that second uh, perimeter receiver spot uh, in the in the Kyler Murray era. So this is going to be really interesting, man. And I mean, it's it's quite something when you say that Josh Allen and Tom Brady combined um, basically had the same number of four wide receiver uh, dropbacks as Kyler Murray, uh, because you know I think of those two offenses both as really being ones that sling the ball around. But this is another example of you know how not having a tight end really be part of uh, your team identity you know, leads to different usage uh, for different uh, players. And so, you know, four wide receivers in Arizona could potentially all finish in the, you know, top 80 uh, from for fantasy purposes, um, which, you know, it's kind of weird to see three finish uh, like that. Um, but, you know, they're, they're in a different situation there. Then it's also kind of interesting to go down to some of the teams maybe that didn't function um, the way maybe that, that you would have thought. Um, the Texans last year only having 26 dropbacks and four wide. That's not really how I think of them, right. especially since they don't drive a lot of production to the tight end. So, you know, that's just essentially um, probably a missed opportunity. If you're not going to target your tight end, you know, mix up the looks a little bit um, and, you know, see if the opposing defense um, has an answer for you. Um, any other any other teams on here surprise you? And, and actually, with that 26 dropback number, they ranked 10th. 
So, you know, we have a, a large percentage of the league, you know, barely ever using this formation, uh, if I'm looking at this data correctly. Yeah, and I mean, th there's probably a couple of different ways that I could have cut this up and arrived at, like, slightly different different numbers. Uh, and, and the important thing to keep in mind, it is wide receivers. So one thing that we'll see some teams do is they get out, they move the back out into, like, the slot, and then they are effectively operating with four receivers, but one of them is a running back. Um, which would which would impact these numbers. But yeah, I mean, I was pretty shocked when I pulled up these results and I just saw that big chasm between Buffalo, Arizona, and really everybody else. Um, and the final point here that I'll make is, as we're considering redraft and projections, it definitely is helpful. I also think that for players that play DFS, this is the type of thing too, where maybe you can find an edge right where you start looking in at different things like that and saying all right like these lower level players going for low dollars in tournaments who are the guys that are actually likely to even be on the field who are the guys that are going to actually be running routes so that's a that's a cool application another simple application very much in the same vein and like you said I'll have to do some work to determine how sticky these things actually are right now we're just kind of in the process of looking at all of the different ways that we can slice up this data and the things that are going to interest me first to start looking into but number of attempts last year with two tight ends the vikings had the most dropbacks uh, with two tight ends at 248, followed by Cleveland at 204. Then there, here's going to be a change, right? We see the tight ends at 193. Uh, Eagles, Seahawks, Raiders, Texans, Bucks, Giants, Cardinals, Falcons, Packers, Rams. I personally feel like it's harder for me to look at these numbers and be able to determine what teams are going to do next year, especially because we see some movement with these teams at the top. The Vikings, Kyle Rudolph won't be there. So maybe there's less two tight end sets. Uh, you know, the Browns, I'm not exactly sure what the tight end situation is going to look like there. We saw their young tight end start coming up. David Njoku got hurt. Uh, but I thought these were pretty interesting. And I think one that people will be interested in specifically here, Curtis, is the Titans ranking in third. Obviously, Jonu Smith has gone out. A lot of people were excited about Anthony Fersker. I actually got a couple of questions on what I thought about him. I was never really too excited thinking that he was going to go in and fill that Jonu Smith role. And actually, the team's coming out basically saying that they're not very confident that, you know, he's going to be the guy at the tight end position. Well, he, I mean, he doesn't really bring anything to the table other than the pass catching ability, um, too. And Johnny Smith, um, you could even hand him the ball, uh, and he's definitely more violent blocker. Um, so, you know, I, I just don't know. I mean, if the team wants to impose its physicality again this year, uh, not something that they necessarily have to go away from bringing Julio in. Um, while he's not, he may not be the best run blocker at that position that the league has ever seen, we certainly don't think of Julio as a player who's like not aggressive or not yeah. physically imposing. Um, and I think he still fits the identity of what the team's been doing previously, even with, you know, Arthur Smith moving on. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Titans do there. Um, the Eagles are going to look a lot different, as you mentioned. I mean, not only is Wentz gone, um, who, you know, really favored, you know, both tight ends when Ertz and Goddard have been healthy over the past couple of years, but, you know, Ertz still technically on the roster, but, uh, you know, uh, most I think most people would place the bet that he's not on the roster uh, on opening day. The Seahawks are really interesting because they bring over um, they bring over an offensive mind already used to uh, using a lot of this personnel package from L.A. And then they bring over Gerald Everett as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's something to watch. Perhaps they're a team that could move into the top three from that fifth position 
um, taking over for the Titans. And uh, looking a little bit further down, you know, at the Giants and Daniel Jones, 132 dropbacks last year uh, in two tight end sets. Well, now they have Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph coming over from the Vikings, who previously ranked number one in this metric. Um, and just thinking back to Jared, uh, Jason Garrett's uh, time in Dallas, you know, there were times where um, they, they would go kind of with that big set um, there. It was like after Miles Austin started uh, falling off, but before uh, Michael Gallup had joined the team and they they had a good three deep at wide receiver again. So that'll be interesting to kind of track and trend in New York, perhaps lead to uh, an uptick in, in touchdown passes for Daniel Jones in that big package. They bring in Kenny Galladay as a bigger target on the outside. Now they get bigger in the middle and he only threw one touchdown in these sets last year, um, which is really interesting. You know, we talked a few episodes ago about Daniel Jones just throwing 11 touchdowns last year. When you look at some of the other quarterbacks that that were... Um, using these packages a lot. I mean, Kirk Cousins had a 19 to five touchdown to interception ratio with these packages. And so you just wonder if if a team like New York, who, you know, it's time for them to take a step forward with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett, they're probably gonna have a short hook for uh, Garrett. Is this a way for them to kind of find a shortcut um, to, you know, spurring Daniel Jones and the rest of that offense on? So here's something very interesting, Curtis. We see the Atlanta Falcons at 11. They happen to recently draft a tight end. They also have a tight end last year who was okay, not the greatest tight end, Hayden Hurst, who we saw the team use. Who is now going to be the head coach of this team? Oh, is it Arthur Smith from the Titans who were in the top three? I think it might be. (laughs) And who just got Uh. traded off of the Atlanta Falcons vacating a lot of targets, Julio Jones. So my one point that I didn't mention prior that I wanted to mention now was I think that there might be people out there who were not sure if Hayden Hurst really had much value anymore. I would say that it's possible that we don't see him entirely wiped off the face of the planet, given what we're looking at here and the fact that Julio isn't going to be there. I'm not saying that you're still going to look at Hayden Hurst as a tight end one option, you know, like in a redraft league, but I definitely think that you're still going to see some games here and there where he remains somewhat involved. Yeah. He would still have utility in like 16 team tight end premium leagues. Um, you know, he could be like streamable, uh, but yeah, yeah. You don't want him to be your sole option at this point. Right. All right. Final thing that we're going to look at here. Cause I, I found this really cool. Most wide receiver screens. Robert Woods led the league with 26 route runs, followed by Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Juju, Antonio Brown, uh, then Darren Waller, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, C.D. Lamb. Uh, that was the top 10. Surprised to see any of those names on that list there. Was there a name that you thought for sure you were going to see when I first mentioned it? Um, no, the big takeaway is that teams make efforts to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers um, in any way possible and near the line, let them make a move. Um, Devonte Adams doesn't really seem like the type of player. Um, you know, he doesn't seem like the type of player from a burst perspective, like early in his career, I couldn't really imagine him doing this. You know, you just thought of him as the go up and get it guy, but he actually did. Uh, he did pretty well on this. Um, you know, he, he actually caught all 20 of his wide receiver screen targets and uh, managed to post 157 yak. Uh, that that's pretty solid. Um, he's you know developed that extra level to his game. 
Um, and Aaron Rodgers is just so amazing at getting the ball out quickly um, on those plays. And I'm sure some of those were coming off hot reads and weren't all um, designed. Robert Woods, I think more more so designed. Um, it'll be interesting with CD Lamb. You know, I, I wonder if we were able to drill down into that a little further. How much of that happened with Dak versus uh, happened with Dalton or Danucci and yep. others? Uh, and as as the uh, as the offense changed over the course of the year, um, and then you know the Raiders. So the Raiders are there with Darren Waller. So Darren Darren Waller plugged in there at seven overall as a tight end, um, pretty <laughs> cool. And but then you see Hunter Renfro at thirteen overall. And so you know in year two, could this be an area where you know this should be an area where I would think every wide receiver screen that went to Hunter Renfro, you should at least give Henry Ruggs a chance on those, right? Um, isn't that why you drafted a burner like this uh, with the draft capital uh, that they invested in him? This would be an easy way to get him going. Yes. If they're not going to rugs on these, I would at least like to see them shifted to Brian Edwards and those, you know, enormous biceps that we saw him posting all over uh, Twitter last week. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hunter Renfro seems like the worst possible um, on the surface, worst possible. But I mean, to his credit. To his credit, he managed, you know, about nine yards, uh, nine yards after catch uh, on those on those targets. He, so yeah. uh, actually 10 exactly. So good, good for you. But it's like if he was really doing that, you should have given him even more. So either way, I feel like they mismanaged. it. Yeah, I mean, I will give him he did break a tackle and forced three missed tackles, which is very comparable on fewer targets. It's very comparable to a lot of the players on this list. It just uh, is a little weird when you went out. And you decided to get Henry Ruggs and then, you know, you're, you're using Hunter Renfro and not him. Um, but I could keep going on and looking at these advanced stats for hours and hours. So I think that we probably will end this episode right here. Uh, a reminder, definitely send in your comments, questions, 978-615-9214. Uh, thanks for listening and we will see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotovizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.